Hey, are you a bibliophile like myself but don't always have time to read as many books as you'd like or have a hard time finding the titles you're looking for? I can't help you with that. But if you're looking for the coolest in professional wrestling apparel that I can help you with, head over to my friends at Let's Wrestle Apparel. That's letswrestle.ca and let them upgrade you. They can do custom designs of anything you'd like. And it's not just t-shirts. They can do aprons, hoodies, face masks. If you can think of it, they can go ahead and print it up for you. I personally have several shirts from them. I even have a nice toque that they sent me. Uh, Tuke is Canadian for beanie or, or skull cap, and it is very comfortable. I get a lot of compliments on it as well. I highly recommend heading over to letswrestle.ca. Tell them your boy Ethan HD sent you and let them hook you up. Now, let's get to the show. is the magic number i'm not talking about bo derrick i'm not talking about how many crack commandments there are i'm talking about how many episodes into going home early we are this is episode 10 of the going home early podcast i'm your host ethan hd if you're uninitiated the going home early podcast is where i sit down with one of my colleagues in professional wrestling and we just talk about some of the places we've been to some of the cities we've been to as well and just how it's changed us or how it's affected us or just the the experiences we've we've gleaned from those places uh, my guest this episode is aaron solo uh, you may have seen him on aw dark he's been all over the indies i've known the guy for god almost a decade now maybe close to a decade and I am absolutely stoked to have him on here for episode 10. Uh, this episode, like every episode, is recorded live in my own personal comic book shop, Destiny City Comics, located in Tacoma, Washington. If you'd love to support the show, uh, which I, I happily will accept any kind of support I can get, uh, if you'd like to do it monetarily, of course, you can always purchase things from the shop. Uh, if you just want to slide us some ducats, I'm on Cash App, dollar sign, Ethan HD. 312 um, or you can just tweet the show share it with your friends tell people about it uh, all of those forms of support are always greatly appreciated by me uh, before I jump into things with Aaron um, I just wanted to talk about a few things that are just kind of going on uh, speaking of the store uh, earlier we did a live stream uh, depending I guess no matter when you listen to it, it's earlier uh, but this drops on the 1st, so yesterday, the 31st, did a live stream at my store, and essentially what it is, it's a big claim sale, and I'm on Instagram Live, just showing you like cool things we have in the shop, um, some things we're offering at a discount, like comics, different graphic novels, uh, this time I had a ton of just really cool wrestling memorabilia, and we're just showing it off, had some cool Undertaker figures, some pop vinyls, and it was just fun to do, and I really enjoyed doing it. The comic shop definitely has its own kind of community that's been cultivated there and i'm very appreciative of everybody who takes time out of their day to you know swing by even if it's just to say hello um the people who you know are my regulars and it's just really cool getting to to know these people and know that i'm not the only person who was so into this shop that they were like i'm gonna buy this thing to keep it afloat uh but that there's other people who who are genuinely passionate about this comic book shop and see it as more than just another 
comic book store, but really as like a pillar of the community and, you know, all the things we do, we try to support, you know, like the Tacoma Rescue Mission, our local YWCA chapter. Um, at the time, the shop used to be part of Tacoma Pride. Obviously, it's been canceled for a while, but it's definitely something I continue to, con- I intend on continuing doing uh, as soon as it becomes an option again to, to have those kind of events. Um, but yeah, I just want to touch on that and how grateful I am for all of that. Um, on a, a sadder note, I guess, um, a few days ago, um, uh, my wife and I and, and her mother, or her mother, my mother-in-law, uh, we put down a cat we'd had for quite a while. His name is Jasper. Um, I won't go to the whole detail. I tweeted about his his entire life story, essentially, a few days ago. Um, but the, the short of it was uh, Jasper came from an abused house. Uh, his original owner had kicked him in the face and broke a lot of his teeth. Uh, he ended up getting bounced around a little bit, was adopted by our neighbor at the time. Uh, and when our that neighbor moved, he just left Jasper behind. And so Jasper just kind of roamed the neighborhood, and uh, a few people in the neighborhood just fed him. And when I took off to India, uh, my wife started letting him in the house to just take naps and to feed him. And he would eat, he would sleep, and then he would kind of head towards the door. He, she would let him out into the world. And that was just kind of his routine. And it got to the point where... Uh, when she pulled up and like he could hear the, us opening the door, he would come running up to the door. And uh, so eventually he got into a really bad scrape. This is already going longer than I intended. Um, but he got into a really bad scrape and he had needing some uh, some medical assistance. So we took him to the vet, got him patched up. And basically I was like, the amount of money we spent on this cat, we might as well just adopt him. Because if he goes back out of the world and gets destroyed again, I'm just going to be annoyed we spent all this money. And so we took Jasper in, and uh, we loved him. He didn't necessarily jive well with our cats um, that we had already. And not so much that he didn't jive with them. They definitely weren't thrilled to have another cat in the house, um, especially one who got a lot of affection uh, from us. And he was very affectionate as well, uh, which I always appreciated about him, especially knowing uh, his history of being abused and abandoned um, he never showed any signs of that when he interacted with people. You know, he was never afraid to to approach people or lay next to you or nap with you um, or even just groom the back of your head if he got the opportunity. Um, but the other cats weren't thrilled, and we had talked about rehoming him to kind of reduce the stress on the cats we had. Uh, but the biggest issue is we didn't want him to feel abandoned again. And so uh, later that year, her mother, uh, their cat had passed away. And we knew that he would be a good fit for their home. And they live in like a more rural area. He can be like an indoor-outdoor cat again. And uh, he he took to their, their new place like uh, like a duck to water or fish to water or I guess any aquatic animal to water. And went on a, a killing spree of birds and mice and, and voles and any, any small woodland creature you can think of. Uh, Jasper killed them in spades. And uh, unfortunately, he ended up uh, coming down with cancer and becoming very ill. And uh, we knew it was time to, to say goodbye to him. He wasn't doing well. He had lost a lot of weight. Um, and it, so it wasn't the well, not, wasn't the best week. But um, as as it got closer to to time to say goodbye, uh, I was definitely remember just reminded of all these these really cool memories we had, and just how amazing my wife is. Because I probably would have just kept letting him just leaving food out for him and that been that. But my wife uh, wanted to take him in and take care of him. And it's the kind of person she is. And uh, every easily every bit of Jasper's life that was positive 
is a direct result of her actions. And uh, I'm just so I'm very lucky to have have somebody like that in my life as well. Um, but obviously Jasper's very missed as well. Um, and I, I thank you to everybody who tweeted uh, photos of their own cats, stories of their own cats, or even just their condolences. All that was appreciated as well. Um, but yeah, you know, just rest in peace, Jasper. Uh, and you know, if you have your own your own pets, you know, you know, cuddle them a little tighter tonight. Um, not to be on such a sad note, uh, to kind of bounce back a little bit, uh, I do want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, All In. They're a local Seattle energy drink company. You can head over to drinkallin.com and they will hook you the F up. They have four amazing flavors, berry, citrus, grapefruit, and tropical. You can use the discount code EthanHD312, that's my name, it's Chicago's area code, and they will give you 25% off of your order and mail energy drinks straight to your door. This stuff is refreshment, energized. I love this stuff. Can't get enough of it, but I have to remember to drink water as well because humans need it to live. Uh, but yeah, head over to drinkallin.com, use the discount code EthanHD312, save a little bit of money, at least 25% of what you were going to spend, and uh, thank you, thank me for helping you, thank yourself for helping an amazing small business, and now let's go ahead and get to the interview with Aaron Solo. So I'm here with Aaron Solo. Hey, Aaron, man, thank you for doing the podcast. Uh, how's everything going with you right now? Uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. Um, everything is going pretty good, given you know the circumstances of the state of the world and all that. Um, but yeah, everything seems to be going pretty good right now. Nice. I mean, yeah, the shit's wild right now for sure. Um, <laughs> so i guess we'll just kind of jump right into it uh so to give people like a baseline uh where are you currently like uh based out of so i am back in the bay area this is where i grew up and um moved back here last year and i'm so glad to be back nice so what what makes you want to decide to go back to the bay area was that always kind of the the goal like to eventually come back or yeah yeah that was always my plan um I'd only moved away because of wrestling and rest, what I felt was uh, good wrestling opportunities and stuff. Um, but I, I always love home. I always love the Bay Area and all that. And all my uh, all my friends that I grew up with who have nothing to do with wrestling, they still live here. I'm still in contact with them all the time. And uh, a good amount of my family still lives here, too. So, um, yeah, that, that's the reason I love it. Uh, the only thing that sucks is it's like quadruple the price of the rest of the country to live here. But besides that, it's great. Oh, yeah. The the first time I went to California, I was blown away that like anybody who's not like a millionaire can like live there. Yeah. And then like and then we ended up going to like Antioch and some other parts of NorCal. And I was like, oh, OK, like I get it now. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like like in Seattle, like nobody lives in Seattle. You all live like you live within like 20 minutes of Seattle. But you just like sure. yeah, from Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll always tell people San Francisco. Uh, I'm from a town called South San Francisco, which is very confusing because it's actually a completely separate town. Um, but when I try to describe that to people who aren't from here, it's most of the time they it, they don't they don't understand it. Is it like uh, like Virginia and West Virginia where they they at least share a border, or is like South San Fran like way outside of San Fran? 
Um, not way outside. So with the Bay Area, there's a lot of um, small, small cities. So like, for example, if you're driving from San Jose to San Francisco, which is maybe a 45 minute drive, maybe an hour, um, you will literally drive through about 12 cities. So it's all, they're all really small where like, I lived in Austin, Texas, I lived in St. Louis and um, Orlando, where you could be driving that amount of time and still be in that city. So uh, yeah, the cities here are a lot smaller. Yeah, thanks. that makes sense. I think, yeah, it's definitely like an East Coast thing, I think, to have just bigger, more sprawling cities. And then a few like, yeah, residentials yeah. kind of sprinkled around. Whereas, yeah, I feel like out, out West, it's just tons of like really tiny towns. Because even like major cities over there, like outside of L.A., tend to be like really, really small and like condensed. Yeah. Like, because, yeah, you can get through like Portland and like, 10 minutes without even yeah trying. yeah so and so i thought this is kind of funny is so um for people who don't know so we initially met doing uh tna's gut check back yes. in like 2010 2009 um i want to say it was 2010 yeah that's yeah i think that sounds about right so and so that was you um bailey and chemo and so <laughs> you guys drove up for that we did. Yeah. It was a like 10 hour drive or nine and a half hour drive, um, which I believe that was the second like pay for gut check at the time. Um, so like I just wanted to like go and do it already. And then like had we had waited maybe like another three months or so, they came right here in the Bay Area. But we didn't know that. So but yeah, that's where we met and we wrestled each other. I remember that like very clearly. Yeah, I I distinctly remember the match right before us not going so well. And Jeff mm-hmm. Jarrett like leaning over the rail. He was like, tell me one thing. You guys can do better than that, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember. I was like, well, sir, if the bar is that low, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it was a very I think it was probably the the weirdest tryout I've been to as far as like what I do you because like I know I got like ambushed by like SoCal Val to do a promo. It was like the same thing with you. Um, I did do one of the promo. I did a promo as well. Um, but like I just I remember it. Yeah, I remember it being very weird and not really like structured well. Um, because I remember SoCal Val just kind of like pulled us aside randomly, um, and was like, "Oh, do a promo on this guy or do a promo on that guy," and like you would just talk and like dude, I was so scared at the time because I didn't watch TNA. I, I was there trying out for this company that I like really didn't watch. Like I had like some familiar, some familiarity with it, but I was like, please don't say somebody. And I have no idea who they are. And then I remember she said AJ Styles and I was like, Oh, thank God. I know. I know who AJ is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, it felt like they were literally just like picking us off one by one. And then she would like just bring you around a corner and there mm-hmm. was just like a camera and she just like picked up the mic and was like, I'm here with so-and-so like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? And, but I've never been to like any other tryout where they just like, didn't warn you about doing promos that like, they just like ambushed you with that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. I, I feel like that it was very oddly structured. Mm-hmm. Was that your, was that your guys first time to, in Oregon? Um, for me, it was, I'm not too sure about, uh, uh, Pam or chemo, but for me, that was my first time up there. 
Okay. Yeah. Did you guys stick around at all, or do you guys just do the tryout and then and then split? Um, we stayed the night because I remember they let us come to the house show that night, so we did and we watched it, and then um, yeah, we hung out for the night and then drove back the following day. Okay, so you, you didn't get like a whole lot of the, uh, I guess, the flavor of Salem. I don't know if there is any real flavor of Salem, but. <laughs> Uh, no, we didn't. We didn't see much just because, yeah, we literally did the tryout, went back to the hotel and then went right back to like watch the show and then drove home. Yeah. I, so is that the uh, is that the longest you guys have been on? Like you've been on the road like straight is like 10 hours or because I know like with, oh. like NorCal, like SoCal, like everything's a lot closer together. It seems like show wise. Yeah, no, that that's not the longest trip I've taken, I believe. Um, I believe the longest trip that I took was somewhere between 16 and 18 hours for a show, um, which was actually when I was living in Austin, we drove to Chicago and I, that's somewhere between 16 and 18, I think each way. And I drove, uh, with Kurt Stallion, which Kurt Stallion, like, I don't know if fans know this, but he was known for doing these insane drives and like, he would not let me drive. I was like, look, I was like, you have to let me drive at some point. We're doing 30, 30 plus hours here. Like I could drive for a bit and he just would not let me drive. Dude, some people are just a wheel man. Uh, Santiago's that way. Like he oh, drove, really? we drove from Tacoma. I say we, he drove from Tacoma all the way to LA to do championship wrestling from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And then like literally after the taping, we just turned around and headed back. Yeah. And, and he did like the whole thing, like didn't pull over to sleep, just like powered through. And we literally got back to, to Tacoma. He drops me off at my place. And I was like, dude, I'm going to crash. What about you? And he's like, oh, I got to go pick up my daughter from school. Yeah. I was like, just about to say, I know he has a daughter too. Yeah. But just, yeah. And he just went around like along the rest of his day and then went to sleep. Yeah. And I was that's... like, I, that's, that's a level of like, I don't know. Uh, I guess I don't know if there's a, a word for the ability to just stay awake for hours on end, but yeah, yeah it's called insanity. That's what it is. Right. But that, that's his <laughs> X-Men superpower. Uh, yeah. He's just learned to exist without sleep. <laughs> but yeah. So, um, cause I know you've, you've been up this way a few times. What is up with like Northern, Northern California? Like, the the weird mountain people like have you experienced any of that no i haven't um maybe like drove like driving through it but like not really because honestly man before i had moved away for like you know wrestling opportunities my time here in california as like a wrestler i I didn't explore much because i wrestled for big time wrestling which you know, is where Bailey and uh, Kimo, who you mentioned, like we we all like wrestled for that promotion, but we literally wrestled only for that promotion. Like very rarely, like did we take outside bookings? But uh, yeah, so like I didn't get really to explore much of California, and I didn't really like get on the road and uh, you know meet everybody until I'd moved. I'd met Davy Richards and moved to St. Louis, where he was the one that kind of like. He trained me for everything outside of the ring and like was like, oh, you need to be doing all this. And, you know, all that, uh, like driving out, just showing up to shows, trying to get on all that stuff. And uh, 
like while I was here in California, like actually when I moved back, I was very excited because I was like, I almost feel like I'm in a new area again, but it's home because I never really experienced the the independent scene here in California. And then, um, you know, as I was going to, as I was taking bookings, the pandemic happened and shut that down. Yeah. Well, so that's really cool. Crazy. Cause I guess for my, my perception of you is like, I know that you guys like drove up to do like Salem to do the gut shack. And I know you guys drove up to like Vancouver, BC to do like ECCW. Yes. So in my head, I always had a picture that you were like this like road warrior and we're just like <laughs> going everywhere to do all these, these, like these shows and all these bookings. So this is my reality has shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, man, it wasn't until I moved with Davey Richards at like September of 2012. So um, there's about two and a half years where like, I was really just kind of in the NorCal, like two hour radius and like the very few long trips I happened to see you. So maybe that's why you got those, that perception of it. Yeah. Well, and I think cause too, like maybe the year before we met, Mike and I would go down to like NorCal and we would do shows in like Sacramento and like Petaluma and Antioch. So I was like, so stoked that like there are people like other people on the west coast that were as crazy as we were like doing these like long ass trips yeah so like i always thought like like you and like pam and chemo were like the shit for like doing all these like these long drives <laughs> so okay not no. not that i've lost any respect but like yeah i guess i always assumed you guys were these like these battle-tested road warriors no, no, man, not at all. I mean, I'm glad we gave that impression off, but no, not at all. At least not in that time frame, anyways. Right. Yeah, I guess perception's reality, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So then, so you moved to Dave with David to St. Louis, mm-hmm. and so that's like the first time moving away from home. I, I kind of take it as far as like your home base, like where you grew up, right? Um, second time, actually, first time was um. I trained with Lance Storm, so I did Lance Storm's camp. So, like, I don't know if you would call it an official move because I was there for three months and then moved back home. But um, that was a huge, like, reality check to me, like, just in life in general. Because I remember when I had gone to Canada to train with Lance, like, I had, like, a panic attack because I was like, oh, my God, I'm so far from everybody that I know. And, I mean, it's Canada, but I was like, I'm in a different country. (laughs) Are they going to get to me you know what I mean like uh and it, it was really tough but um I had um two like really cool roommates who I know you know one of them uh which is Nick Price and then another guy Kevin Crelo who Kevin finished the camp and I don't think I don't think he ever did anything with wrestling but Nick kind of stayed in Vancouver and um you know did his stuff over there but we've we've lost touch years ago so I'm not really too sure what Nick's even up to now He's doing good. Last time I talked to him, which was a couple years ago, um, it seemed like he was doing well. I think he just kind of phased out of wrestling, which is fair. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I totally understand somebody not wanting to dedicate their entire life to it and having other dreams and goals. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like the answer, Sure. I guess. Fucking <laughs> weird, <though. laughs> yeah. So yeah, but that, that's so crazy. So you're like in this this new country that you you've never been to, and I mean outside of a couple of roommates, like yeah, you're very like you learn very quickly how to be like self sufficient, 
and mm-hmm. like you analyze your surroundings. Are you, as you kind of got more comfortable out there, um, did you start like exploring more or was it like, I know I can get food at this place. I get my groceries here. This is where the gym is. I don't need to like find anywhere else. Oh no. I, I was definitely exploring and stuff. Cause like how we were talking earlier about like, you know, California, I didn't really travel out anywhere. So like being in a new environment and a new setting, like, you know, once I calmed down and realized like, Oh, I had some cool roommates and, there's an end date to when I'm going back home and all that. Like I like finally calmed down and like, all I wanted to do was like go see stuff. So like we would do the camp, which uh, I could be getting this wrong, but I believe it ended around like 1 PM typically Monday through Friday. Um, And then, so we had a lot of the day just free. So like we would uh, you know, like me and the other people in the camp would go hang out and, see stuff so it was it was really cool like all like camp experiences I think are so great and I think anybody wanting to get in wrestling should experience it um, whether it's their first starting or they've been wrestling for 10 years or whatever I think everybody should have that camp experience because you build this bond that you just can't describe it to anybody else with uh, the people you take that uh, camp with yeah right like you truly make become like I don't say like a family, but like kind of like a surrogate family. Yeah. Like you experience all these things together and they become like your, your war buddies. Uh, but yeah. And I love that you're, you're very on board with the idea of like people doing these camps too. Cause you also did uh follies. I did. Yeah. Which was very recent. It was just, um, man, I want to say last year, but we're in 2021 now it was February of 2019 to May of 2019 is when I did a uh, follies camp. Nice. And so was that your first time out in New Zealand? Yeah, first time. So what did you think of, of New Zealand like as a as a whole? Uh, I loved it, man. Like it because um, I wasn't moved back to California yet. And uh, a lot of it reminded me of home, just like at least Auckland anyways. Um, and like, you know, with like Fale, like Fale is great. And I had known Fale for years prior to going to his camp and um he was, he's very, like, a very social person, too. So, like, when it's time to work, he makes sure, he, like, makes sure that you're putting in the work and all that, which would, you know, be during the uh, camp hours. But after that, like, man, he always wanted to, like, be like, oh, let's go to the night market or let's go to, let's have a barbecue or something like that. Like, it, he made the time there, like, a very fun experience. Oh, yeah. Him and uh, the other guy he runs with, Mark were just amazing hosts yeah uh, so when you went to the night market did you go to the one that's in like the parking garage of a target um yes which i believe it's countdown which is what you're referring to right uh oh, countdown, yeah, yeah, which is sorry. one of the supermarkets there yeah so um we actually i think went so often that we probably hit every single location that they have a night market at and like the food there is amazing like yeah if if you had told me before i left like some of the best food you're going to eat in new zealand is going to be on the second level of a parking garage of a grocery (laughs) store i probably would have been a little skeptical or like really like oh man new zealand is not what i thought it was going to be but when you at the night market did you see the guy who has the booth where he sells american junk food 
Mm, I didn't. No, I didn't see that. There was an American store that like, you know, everybody else in the camp was like going crazy for, except for me, because I was like, this is not like, this isn't what I came here to do. Like I came here to experience the New Zealand culture, not see a basically knockoff 7-Eleven type thing. You know what I mean? But like the other campers loved it. But no, I did not see that guy at the night market. Yeah, he was selling like, I remember specifically he sold Captain Crunch because mm-hmm. I was there with one of Fale's students and he didn't, it didn't click right away. I think like what these cereals were. Yeah. And so I explained to him, I was like, well, this is like cereal, like in from America. And he's like, cause there's no, I'm surprised how very little, like, uh, I guess j- American junk food is like permeated New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so like, he was like, yeah, I never had captain crunch. And it like blew my mind. Oh no, cinnamon yeah. toast crunch, but like it blew my mind. So I like, plop down like 15 new zealand dollars to like <laughs> buy him this cereal and i was like you're gonna go home eat it and report back what you think <laughs> yeah yeah like um there's uh these uh they're australian brothers they're the philippe brothers tom and steve philippe and uh they were guys that i got really close to during the camp um just had a lot of in common and stuff and like those guys loved that American store we would go to and like, God, I forget what it was that they would go crazy for, but like, I could not believe that what we were going there, it was the same, very similar to the Captain Crunch. Like it was a specific like cereal or specific like Oreo or something like that. And I couldn't believe how excited these guys were for it, but it's just cause you know, I guess we're, we're ignorant to it because we have it just kind of whenever we want, you know, like we can go to any, supermarket any target and get this at any time but uh yeah for them it's like this was a whole like new experience yeah and so you've traveled a lot and, and i think like maybe it's just my experience i'm a junk food junkie but it really feels like no other country has grasped on to like the the culture of junk food and like made it this massive industry like america has yeah kind of like your your perspective as well or yeah yeah definitely because like um i was in target the other day and i was just like like man i can't believe how much like things have evolved just because i haven't i i don't really like buy cereal too often but like man there's like so many different varieties now like i can't believe it like there's almost too much options that it like stresses me out like because i don't want to make the wrong choice even though it's not a big deal but uh it's just very overwhelming now Right, yeah, because at the end of the day, it's all corn and sugar. Sure, but yeah. yeah. But I remember growing up, like, there was a lot of cereals, but, like, it was, like, Rice Krispies and, like, Captain Crunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now there's, like, so many subdivisions, like, of those cereals. Yeah, yeah. Like, you but, can't uh, just get, like, Rice Krispies, but there's, like, five Rice Krispies to get. And it's like, well, I, I, I guess either way I'm losing a, a foot to this, but... yeah. Yeah, what's funny was I spent um, on the way back from New Zealand. So I don't know if he would show if he he stopped by one of the camps. I don't know if he stopped by at the one you were at or what. Um, There's a a good buddy of mine. His name's uh, Dion and who's from New Zealand. And uh, he was telling me about like these chocolates, which is the Whitaker's chocolates, which I fell in love with. And I, I still think that's the best chocolate I've ever had. So basically I spent like a hundred dollars on these chocolates so I can, you know, give them out to my friends and family when I came back here. And, uh, 
So I bought a bunch of those, but I bought a few Kit Kats of like flavors we don't have here in America. And nobody cared about the Whitakers. They were all going crazy about the, the Kit Kats. And I was just like, geez, like best chocolate in the world. And you guys don't care about this. Yeah. Are those the ones that are like specifically made in New Zealand, right? Yeah, yeah. Those the Whitaker ones are like they're they're called blocks, I think. Like like there's like a coconut block or a um like a peppermint block or some like things like that. Yeah, because I remember when I was over there, people were making a big deal because I guess they changed the recipe to like make it cheaper to produce and it mm. augmented the flavor and people were like legitimately heated about it. And so oh. I guess they were like in the process of going back to the old the old flavor. So I'm glad they did. Yeah. When you, when you were over there, yeah. did you have LNP soda? I did. I did just because um, it seemed like uh, everybody else, like Fale and I believe the Australian boys were familiar with it. So like I was, I was down to try anything pretty much like that I wasn't familiar with. Oh yeah. Same. I don't like going to like other countries or even other cities really. And just like getting the same old same. It's like, I want something that's like, unique to this this locale that we're at yeah what was was your take on the lnp soda because i was very underwhelmed i was underwhelmed also yeah i i I don't even remember exactly how it tastes but i just remember being like "Mm, no i'm not gonna miss this i'm not gonna miss this when i leave yeah it's a weird because it's like so it's like because it's like a lemon-esque soda like it almost tasted like somebody like made like minimade lemonade and tried to like run it through like a soda stream to carbonate it. Yeah, that's a perfect description. Cause it's such a very off, like just it's not quite lemonade, but it's also not quite like a lemon flavored soda. Yeah, yeah. It exists like <laughs> in its own weird category. But yeah, do they tell you that it's like the water they use is from some spring or something in new zealand and like they can only make it there oh no i didn't know that yeah i guess that's what makes it like special is like wherever they get the water from is some like natural resource in new zealand and so it's only it's only canned there what was like the uh i guess the coolest thing that you you discovered over new zealand um god the thing that sticks out to me right now is the night markets um but but I really enjoyed their um, their CBD, which is what they called their like downtown. Um, yeah, like I, I thought it was like great. It was really beautiful. It was surrounded by water. Again, there's just even more like great food. Um, and I remember going to like some ice cream shop, which it started. I want to say it started with a G, like G- Giropolo or something like that, or Giapo. And man, it was like one of the best like ice cream cones i'd ever had i'm trying to think if i went there i don't think i did i think i found like a ben and jerry's and was so enamored at like a walk-in ben and jerry's yeah because it was like a baskin robbins but i was like oh i've never and they had vegan flavors so i was also stoked about that i think that was the bigger selling point (laughs) did uh i'm assuming you did because i think it's it's tradition now uh did you go with folly to i think it's the wildfire i did the um the steakhouse right yeah it's like right yeah. on the water yep yep i i did Wait, that was i don't know if that was our final like gathering that we had like as the camp was ending or what but 
I remember we went there for a specific reason and like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful place to eat at. Did you opt for the, the, the endless meat? I did. Yeah, I did. How many servings did you get through? <laughs> not many, not many at all. I think it was, it's one of those things like when you get there and you like think you're just going to like wreck it and you get there and you're like, I had like three pieces and I'm done. Yeah, because I because we went there because there was there was literally only one vegan option. There was me and one other vegan boy. And mm-hmm. so everybody else had opted for the where they basically just bring you an entire zoo and you just yeah. <laughs> eat animal after animal. But we, we got this waiter who um, I, I don't know, he's had a weird like inflection where he was almost like a Saturday Night Live character. Mm hmm. Because it wasn't like a Kiwi accent, but it was like, I guess somebody doing a bad French accent accent. Okay. But it, it, so like Folly, like he took this guy to the limit. And Folly was like, after a while, was like, just keep bringing me more beef. And so the guy would like cut him off a little piece of meat. He'd come back two minutes later. And every time he would go, would you like some beef? <laughs> But it got like more and more outrageous every time. And me and one of the guys in the camp like kept begging Folly, like, you have to keep eating. This man only gets funnier every time he comes back. Dude, I wonder if he was messing with you guys. You know what I mean? Like he was like <laughs> like you guys thought he was weird, but he was probably I wonder if he was just messing with y'all so you guys would think that. Right. He probably saw like saw us laugh the first time. And it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get these guys. Yeah. Because I, at first I thought, like, maybe he's just doing it to, like, be weird. So we'll, he'll, like, like Folly will stop asking for for meat. Because mm-hmm. he had gone on, like, long after, like, everybody else had tapped out. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder if maybe he just, like, saw me and this other dude laughing and was just like, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rile these boys up even more. get that get that sweet extra extra tip money (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so it was canada the i guess canada's technically like the first time you left the country i'm assuming yes yes first time i left the country what was like the the second time you'd left um the second time would be to god i want to say yeah it was england i went to um well ireland first and then England which isn't very far from Ireland but that would have been the next excursion that I had sweet how long were you over there for three months again yeah I was over there with Ricky Starks Um, at the time we were teaming under the extra talented tag team name and um, we had went there basically just because we were both living at in Austin Texas at the time and um, we just kind of wanted more so we we flew ourselves over there um, and just kind of did a bunch of shows, which was great. Like we loved our time over in England. Sweet. Did you have somebody to, to stay with or did you guys kind of like find a hostel or? It's, it's actually quite funny. Cause so Pete Dunn, I had met years before even going to England, but he looked so different that like, I didn't realize that it was, this was the same guy. So like uh, Pete Dunn and Mark Andrews um, had come out 
to America to, you know, kind of do exactly what me and Ricky were doing at this time, just try to trying to get out there and all that. So we'd like been on a few shows with them. And then um, like when I was talking to Pete about that and had realized that like that, he basically described it as that, which I think it's, it's such a great mentality. He was like, you know, when we went over there, people looked after us. So like, how could I not do that back when people come over here? Which is like, that's exactly how wrestling should be. We should all be helping each other. You know, um, obviously we all want to get this fictionary top spot, but um, you know, like you don't need to step over people in order to do that. No, and that's one thing I really love about how I think wrestling has changed, especially over like the last 10 years, is you see so many guys pulling each other up and it really is like the the rising tide raises all ships where yeah. you know um i think progress is probably a perfect example of guys who just push each other to get better and then you know like you see one guy go over to pwg and then he brings over two more and two more and two more and like but that's and that's the way it should be you know yeah. instead of trying to like block them from coming over so that you're special because you're the only brit where it's like yeah. oh, bring these guys over have killer matches and now you guys are getting booked everywhere to have these killer matches yeah yeah that's absolutely i think the way i love the way wrestling's evolved that way i think it's one of the best things our generation has done for wrestling yeah yeah for sure i think when people look back we're the we're the airbnb generation <laughs> <laughs> just opening our houses up to everybody letting them crash yeah <laughs> and so, so you're over in england for for three months mm-hmm. and so obviously you had a lot of people helping you out places to stay things like that did you did it leave a lot of time to do like touristy stuff um yeah it did um because when we went there ricky and i we didn't do the like camp style which i believe is what um most Americans anyway, I feel when they go there, they do the Dixon camp or whatever other camps are there, which is like, you know, you, you wrestle per, literally every day doing that stuff. Um, we either the camps weren't going on or we couldn't get in contact with whoever was running the camps when we had gone there. So um, we, we were just doing shows, but like, luckily we happened to be on the bigger shows so as soon as we got to Ireland, we did OTT, um, which over the over the top, which like I feel like is very well known, and like to this day, that's the best crowd I've ever wrestled in front of at OTT in Dublin, Ireland. Um, and then we did, you know, Progress um, and a few other ones as well. We did Attack, which actually is Mark Andrews and Pete Dunn's promotion, or it was their promotion. I'm not too sure if they're still running it or what. Um, but yeah, we got, we got really lucky that like we were put on the bigger shows. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but again, it's, it's wrestling's all about that, that networking. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, it's, it helps to be very, very good at wrestling and very talented, but it's almost just better if you know a guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, cause you can send a million emails, but the way you're going to get booked is like. A promoter just going like, hey, do you know anybody who's available? And then somebody just yeah. saying, yeah, I know a guy. We met at XYZ. He's great. You should bring him in. Yeah. And the promoter yeah. almost always goes sight unseen. All right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Just let me know what his rate is. <laughs> yeah. It's the beauty of wrestling. 
Uh, do you think part of the reason that like the, the OTT crowd in Ireland was so hot is that it's not an oversaturated market for wrestling? Um, you know, I never, I never really thought about that. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know um, why it was so great, but it was, um, you know, in Ireland, they like to drink and stuff. So like that, I always think makes a crowd better because they tend to be a lot louder if they're drinking. Um, and they seem to just be more into the show as well, but like why it was a great crowd. Like what I felt was like Ricky and I had never been seen, never been seen. And it's very likely that not one person in that building had any idea who either of us were. But, um, when we came out, we just, you know, they, they let us do a promo and we were getting booed and we were, uh, you know, they were like really like coming after us and we were you know we were saying some stuff back to them and they loved it and uh you know like afterwards like to this day ricky and i still get tweets about like when are you guys coming back to ott this was now four years ago and this was our only appearance at ott so like i just i i loved that crowd and like uh once the world opens up again like i would love to go back there god that's wild yeah so, so you just did the one show in over in Ireland. Did you get any time to like check it out at all, or was it the typical wrestling? Arrive, wrestle. I need to get home so I can shower. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Ricky and I did get to see, um, which is called the Temple Bar area. Yeah, I believe that's what it's called. Temp or maybe it's just Temple, but I think it's called Temple Bar, um, which is like just kind of the little like hangout area that people will go and drink or go and eat or whatever it is. And, uh, cause Ricky and I had arrived a day early, I believe. And then, um, we did OTT and then I think we had another free day and then we went to England after that. So we, we did get to see a little bit, uh, but nothing too crazy. And what I was really annoyed about was, um, Ricky and I stayed right down the street from the, uh, Guinness factory or brewery and we didn't go we had no idea how close we were until after we had left so you guys wow so you guys were just right right there and just uh, like, it just made, yeah i guess it makes sense because you know if you're a local you're not just telling everybody you meet like you know the yeah. guinness factory is right there <laughs> yeah 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 we were like 10 minutes away from it and didn't realize it until after we had left yeah, that is the one thing I find interesting. Like um, when you have like other wrestlers or just other people chauffeuring you around or like like giving you like their tour of like their city, and mm -hmm. you're trying to take everything in, and they're just like, oh yeah, like over here is like the whatever, and like a couple couple miles this way is the Stonehenge. If you want to look at that, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, no, let's go see Stonehenge, and like, well, all right, I guess we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any, um, did you have somebody who was kind of helping like show you guys around and like taking to all the, I guess the kind of cooler touristy spots? Uh, no, not in Ireland. Um, just cause like I said, Ricky and I had uh, arrived a day early um, where we had like the whole day and um, we didn't meet any of these people until we got to the venue for OTT. And then um, afterwards, one of the, uh, uh, commentators like you know he drove us back and was like kind of like telling us like you should see this you should do this and all that but then um there no like they the promoter was awesome he got our hotel and everything like that but they didn't really like show us around me and ricky kind of just like 
were trying to figure things out as we were there for that one. Nice kind of exploring on your own. Yeah. You guys just, when you, when you were explaining, do you guys just kind of wing it or do you have like your phones out and you're like, okay, like I think we're, we're a few miles away from this. Um, it's a little, a little of both. So wherever we were staying, I think like I went on Yelp and just kind of looked what's like close by because we didn't have a car or anything like that. So it was just kind of like trying to figure out like where we could go, but not like spend an insane amount on an Uber or something. You know what I mean? So like we were, um, it was a little of both. Yeah. Cause I'm one of those people who I don't particularly trust, um, like public transportation if I'm not from there Mm -hmm. because for like other people it's like oh you might be just be stranded like 20 minutes away from home but it's like you know how to get back like if i'm stranded 20 minutes from the hotel i might as well be on an island like yeah yeah i am lost (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's exactly how i am like no sense of direction when it comes to the road like i'm if gps's weren't a thing like i'd probably be lost right now yeah, I don't understand how like anybody got around using like those like fold out maps and things like that. Yeah. Cuz like I have no idea. Like God bless the I5 corridor for just going up and down and having signs yeah. for everything. But yeah. yeah, like you go out east and it's like a whole like oh, you know, you take this to get to here and then you know, you want to get off here and you cut through this town and go and it's like how the f- how the fuck do you guys get around? yeah like it's yeah it yeah east, east coast highway is like a whole thing and like i don't think in my life out before i went to florida i had ever even like seen a turnpike like yeah yeah same didn't know that was a thing because you were you were out in florida for a bit i was yeah i lived in orlando for three years i believe yeah you... three, just under three years i think what was your take on Florida? Because I recently had somebody tell me uh, it was, oh, what do you say? It, it's a lawless swamp. <laughs> and I was like, damn, if that didn't sum up my experience there. <laughs> um, you mean like wrestling Florida or do you just mean like Florida in general? I guess Flo- we'll start with Florida in general. Uh, so Florida in general, I personally liked the places that I was in. Like uh, I was in Orlando. Um, but I had like, you know, gone to Tampa and gone to Clearwater and Miami and all that. Um, and the, and Key West, I love Key West, but, um, Orlando, I liked a lot, but I didn't like it for, I think the, what the reasons people think you would like, you know, Disney and universal is there, which is great. But when you live next to it, it's kind of like how often, like how much of this can I really see like all the time? Um, but Orlando which like North Orlando, which borders winter park is where I stayed. And man, like it was really cool. I just hate the Florida weather. So I was constantly like trying to be indoors. Uh, But like, man, Orlando has such great food places, a lot of like just nice little areas. So I actually really enjoyed my time there. Just the weather. I could not, I could not stand the weather. It's so humid. Like it is. Yeah. And it's, it's gross. It's like, uh, cause you know, like when I was living in Texas, Texas is very hot as well, but like in Orlando, like when I would go to like walk my dog, like I would get back in the apartment and I'd feel like I'd have to shower. Like I would just be sticky and all like, it, I hated it. 
Yeah, it, it, it feels like when you go into like the locker room of like a YMCA or like an LA fitness yeah. and how it's just like, it's not just steam. Cause it's not like, cause you've been in it, you know, you turn on the shower in your bathroom and like there's steam, but you don't feel like dirty, but yeah, yeah it's like that dirty kind of steam that just like yeah. sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you were out there, did you, did you get to experience your own Florida man stories or anything like that? Or? Um, I'm sure I did. Nothing comes to mind like right now, but like, Whenever I would go to like Wawa, like there would, there's always something like that seemed like was happening. I don't, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but there's always like definitely a person of like, oh, I better keep my distance from this person. You put your keys through your, through your fingers, like Wolverine. And like, I, I <laughs> yeah. remember this. <laughs> I'm going to defend myself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, so when I was in Florida, it was just, I just went to, it was in Tampa. And all of like Dale Mabry, which is like the street that goes through it, mm-hmm. it felt like if you were murdered in a Walmart, this is where you would respawn. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a hundred percent the vibe that I, I got from there. So you went to Mexico for a bit. How long were you over in, in Mexico for? Um, not long, not long at all. Um uh Ricky and I went there for it was like two days, I think, or maybe we were there for two nights and three days. Um, we went to do a promotion called Riot Lucha Libre, which was great also, like such a great experience. Um, and the promoter, Fredo, he had known of me and Ricky because he always came up to watch Wrestle Circus, which was in Austin, Texas. So like, I want to say that was maybe like a five or six hour trip, really, uh, driving wise. And um yeah, it was great. And also at the time, Ricky and I were filming um, a documentary for On It, which is a gym in Austin, Texas. And um, the videographer, Brandon, followed us to Mexico. So like it was it was really a cool experience because we were not only wrestling in Mexico for the first time, but it was also being documented as well. Yeah, On It, those are the guys who do like the, the shroom tech and all that? Yep, that's them. Oh, nice. So even on top of just getting to wrestle in Mexico for the first time, you have like a professional documenting it. Yeah. You know, just yeah, have like so camera cool. phone footage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was great. Like, and uh, he caught like everything. Like he didn't focus specifically on us. Like he caught other things. Like there was just like no power in the building when the show was supposed to start. And then somehow they, these people took the power from the building next door. I, how they did it. I have no idea, but the show was like an hour late or something, but like once the power went on, like the crowd, like, man, they, they were dedicated to this show because the crowd sat in the dark silence for like a good hour, hour and a half and nobody left, nobody left at all. And when that power came on, like they went crazy and they were hot the entire show. God bless them. I couldn't imagine like if that happened in the States, it would be like the most viral thing. Yeah. But knowing like American Indies, though, the guys would have just wrestled in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that, too. It would have been one of those like show must go on. And then like oh, you see on like IWTV, like GCW presents. Oops. All dark matches. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I think you're right. Because if 
like WWE did it at one point. I don't see why an indie out here wouldn't do it. That's right. Yeah, it was at that one pay per view where like the lights went out during was it Austin and Savio in like That's, a strap yep. match. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. And then they made them do it like two nights later again. Yeah. And I was like, I think it was called Beware of Dog. I think that was the title of the pay-per-view. And then when they did it again, it was Beware of Dog Part 2. (laughs) Didn't even bother renaming it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Beware of more dogs. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome, man. I absolutely appreciate you doing this. Uh, Where can people find you on social media? Um, so on social media, they can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, so Twitter, it's really easy. It's just at Aaron Solo, which is A-A-R-O-N-S-O-L-O-W. On Instagram, it's at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore Solo, S-O-L-O-W. Nice. And then if people want to buy your, your T-shirts or like just monetarily support you, how do they go about that? Um, I have a pro wrestling tees store. I think there's only like two shirts up there, which I haven't updated in like a year. (laughs) So that's like, I'm just not good with like the whole merch thing, which I need to be, I need to get better at that. So that's going to be my, my goal for 2021. But uh, there, there is some stuff up there. People are interested. Bro, you got to get on the merch, man. Yeah. (laughs) Got to be on that, like that Jeff Cobb lifestyle, man. They do just had a roller bag, just full of shirts. Oh yeah, I know, I know. And like I it's just something I put off all the time and I really need to just get on it. I get it though. It's a pain in the ass like lugging all that stuff around. Cuz well, you have it, It's not so much lugging it around. It's I'm very particular about the way certain things look. So like I'll come up with something or I'll have somebody come up with something for a shirt and I'll be like me personally, I wouldn't buy that. So then it just, it just becomes like, I'm difficult because like, I wouldn't want to sell something that I don't believe in myself. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's your, cause that's, and that's your brand and like, you're putting your stamp on that. Yeah. See where I fucked up is the opposite is I have awful fashion sense. And so I was putting <laughs> out these like ugly garish shirts and I was like, why does nobody want this bright pink shirt with like me doing a moonsault in yellow? And then I was like, oh, because it's absolutely hideous. <laughs> so, but, but good on you, though, for, yeah, not just, like, pumping out a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, Alex, said before, I appreciate you doing this, man. You have a good one. One more time, I just want to give a big thank you to Aaron Solo for taking time out of his day to do the podcast. I think we'd covered a lot of amazing ground in there, and it's always nice to just sit down and talk with somebody who's experienced a lot of the same things I have, um, and somebody who's just a great quality human being as well. So I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, go ahead and support him on social media and follow him all the ways that he listed. If you'd like to stalk me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at RealEthanHD. And on Instagram, EthanHD312. You can find me on Pro Wrestling Tees as well, EthanHD. And my comic book store, Destiny City Comics, is on Instagram. It's just Destiny City Comics is the handle. Uh, Thank you again for listening to the Going Home Early podcast. I am your host, EthanHD. Late.